The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, at some stage in your life, my, my dad always said this to me, and I always thought, no, he's talking nonsense. But at some stage in your life, when the, when the, uh, when the police officers start looking like you could be their dad, you know that you're somewhat ageing. I always, I always sort of compare that to, uh, to pilots. And I was walking through Munich Airport, and I'm telling you, Kev, they look like they could be in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, oh. getting younger, isn't it? <laughs> Um, but we took this flight with... Uh, have you ever flown Lufthansa? You probably have, because yeah. you're an international yeah. jet setter. What do you think of the airline? Oh, they're right. They're the BA of Germany, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, well, I think they're in the Star Alliance, aren't they? Which means they're all in the same sort of group, I think. Yeah. I think Maybe. I'm right. This this captain, though, it's there's something about getting on an airliner where you look left and there is a grey sitting in the sitting in the cockpit. Um, captain smooth, cap- captain organised, captain on time. Um, he was vis- well, I say visibly, audibly, audibly upset that we push pushed back from the gate a little bit late. It wasn't efficient, and I know that sounds like a cliche, but boy, was he good. When we flew, we landed at Heathrow in one of these... Uh, these. Ga- what, what are you doing back in the UK here? There's gales everywhere. Well, it's been awful, hasn't it? I took the kids to Western Supermare on Wednesday. It was, what? It was old women rolling down the street. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> old women rolling down the street. We were coming into land. I'm telling you, I've never been in an aircraft where its wings are just going left to right to left to right to left to right. And I thought... We are. I was a bit. I was a bit excited, actually, Kev. I thought we were going to. I've never been in an aircraft where I've had a go around. Have you ever ha- had a go around? I have. Yeah, during the beast from the east. Okay, so tell me what that feels like. Well, oddly, okay, because you don't really know it's going to happen. But we we got re- we we were basically about fifty feet above the the runway when it decided to to go back up. Oh. And I was I was sat opposite the air hostess woman, and she looked out the window. She looked at me. She said, "Oh, I love a good go around. I do." <laughs> well, that's what I was hoping for. The passenger in front of me was hyperventilating into the sick bag, uh, going, "Oh no, oh no, oh no!" <laughs> it doesn't make you feel very good. And I thought I turned to Thomas and I said, "This, this is going to be our go around." I tell you what, Captain Efficient, he put it down on the ground, no probs at all. The Fuji cast. I'm telling you, uh, Lufthansa, if I could fly everywhere in the world with them, I would go everywhere in the world with them. What an airline. <laughs> oh. Good. I'm glad you didn't have a bumpy landing. No, it, no I, it, it was... <laughs> It was there were go arounds happening everywhere, but 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 not with us. But there uh, were some great videos on BBC website. Oh, were there? Planes. It always seems to be Manchester Airport. They don't know why, but coming in and then <laughs> basically going, oh no, let's go back. <laughs> I wonder if a pilot in the morning, if if, if if as a pilot you look out and think, oh god, I can't bear this. I'm having a duvet day. Or do they enjoy it? Do you think? Do you think they enjoy the challenge? I bet they do enjoy it because it basically take off and landing is the only bit really that they do anything, isn't it? So mm. it's probably it's probably a little bit exciting for them, I would I, imagine. I tell you what, your British Airways mate would say to you right now, say, Mullins, we do not just sit there picking our nose for an hour for an hour and a half to four hours, whatever the flight is. Oh, he would. He would. <laughs> would he? He, would. he once told me. He said, "Oh, he, lo- he said the the only thing um, he likes when turbulence happens when it, when they're cruising because it means he he can play with putting the lid on his coffee and taking it off again." <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to know that captains are taking it that seriously. Lid on, lid off, lid on. Welcome to the Fuji cast. Here we are. Uh, another couple of weeks have passed. 
Um, on the show, your questions about Fuji, well, not just about Fujifilm cameras, and it's about photographic life as well, but uh, but don't you dare send us questions about Sony's. Kevin will have a nosebleed. Um, There's been a couple of monochrome cameras launched this week, though, I have to say. Ah. Uh, the new Leica M11, which I think is about £36,000. Hmm. That's and just the case. A, uh, That's just the Re- case, Kev. Rico, I think, loaded a... Is it Rico? Rico? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, well, uh, I didn't know about this one. Maybe it wasn't Rico. Pentax. Pentax? Pentax. Is it Pentax? What? A, de- a dedicated to- monochrome camera from Pentax? Yeah, so, well, you know PP Review is being closed because Amazon are, are closing it down. Well, I, I heard about that. I only, I only heard about that in the last few days, and I thought, what, DP Review can't be? Surely not. Yeah, 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 they're closing it down. But actually, they've. the reason why I know that uh, this uh, is Rico uh, announced the monochrome camera, and it was I saw the link on DP Review, and I thought, oh, DP Review is meant to have closed now, but they're, they're holding off. They're trying to archive. They're, they're, they're basically leaving it live while they can make a backup of the website and archive it for people to look at later. So will, will, um, will there? So it sounds like there's going to be a situation where the pull, where the plug will be pulled, and, yeah, and there won't be, be anything there to to look. Well, I'm sure I looked something up on D, DP Review only the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the, the plan was um, on the 14th of April, I think it was 14th, might be in the 11th. It was just going to disappear, and everybody was really annoyed. Obviously, really yeah, super yeah. angry. Um, I get a lot of traffic to my website from the forums and DP review, so I was equally angry. Yeah, I bet. Um, and, now, and I'm just looking at the update now. We've received a lot of questions about what's next for the site. We hear your concerns about losing the content that has been carefully curated over the years and want to assure you that the content will remain available as an archive. Right. So there you go. They're going to keep it basically online as an archive, which is good. But going forward, I don't think there's going to be many, um, many updates. However, that said, I then did see that there was this uh, Ricoh Pentax K3 Mark III <laughs> Um, <laughs> monochrome camera closely followed by the or or should i say so rico got their uh, monochrome announcement in about 12 hours before leica m11 monochrome was announced oh. but it, I, I i i think it's interesting you know i i do hope the the powers that be at fujifilm are listening um i mean not so much the like leica one because that's been around for a while the monochrome um all beautiful that it looks but rico now that that's kind of out of the of the left field, isn't it? Rico well, I, I, with I, a monochrome if, DSLR, a DSLR as well. What is it? Mm. I mean, the market share of Rico has has soared, hasn't it? Thanks to cameras like the GR3 and and the one that's um, superseded that. Yeah, so I mean, it's or so, two, so it's it? te- technically a Pentax camera. So Rico are, are, are basically branding it out mm. with the Pentax stuff. So yeah, the, the the GR3 and everything has is is super popular, especially for street photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, so the Pentax is a is a DSLR big old camera, kind of back to your old traditional camera, but with a monochrome sensor. Oh. I, I still yet I haven't seen any samples though. But yeah, I mean, come on, Fujifilm, you need to you need to pull your monochrome well, films out. You've <clears> always <throat> said to me that there's there's no way that would happen. I've, I don't think I've ever said there's no way that would happen because I know for a fact there are the, you know there are people very high up at Fujifilm who would like it to happen. Am I misquoting you? But um, no, probably just lost in translation. I would have thought, but I, 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 I think it's very unlikely, just because the you know the cost of it and the yeah. the actual return on investment, I think, would be minimal. But I, I've always kind of hoped that they would perhaps do a anniversary edition or a limited mm. edition, you know. And it, and if Leica can, I mean, I, I, I guess about thirty six thousand pounds for the Leica. I don't know. I, I'm get. I don't. I'm see. I'm looking on DP Review now to see if there is a price. Okay, so nine thousand one hundred ninety five US dollars. 
so body only. <laughs> um, so you know, people people do buy, people do pay that kind of money, and you know, I I think I would say that there was, if I was a, a brave Fujifilm exec, I'd be going, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Although I'd probably you know, want to be towards the end of my career and have a good well, pot. It, it took the let's do it, let's do it crowd, didn't it, to launch the X100. So, you know, that they, they were the days of saying, caution to the wind, come on, we'll do this thing. And then it, and then look what happened. It did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, like, uh... I, yeah, I get Leica because it, 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 and the, the sales that it, it would make and those that would invest in it, uh, invest in, in, in a monochrome camera because they have that kind of they have that kind of audience base don't they that that are prepared to buy the latest and greatest new expensive camera yeah well, do do, yeah. do fujifilm have that they have the audience base but do I they have they that audience base i think they do yeah it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a, a high flying seller but i don't think that like a monochrome is either but there you go you know there's always people i certainly couldn't afford and wouldn't pay $10,000 for a, like a monochrome but there are plenty of people that will do it um, mm. Good luck to them. It looks beautiful, I have to say. I'm looking at the pictures now. Are you, are you salivating? Are you rubbing your knees? I, I'm masticating. Don't be rude. Quite right, Donald. <laughs> Get back in your box. Yeah, oh. no, it does look very nice. Oh. I tell you, um, just before we start, I had the street experience that we've been talking about so much in Austria while I was away. I in the experience of... of um, I've always thought Alex Fredrickson, and she's appeared on the other little podcast. We've um, had her on our show as well. Yeah, that's right, time, but, we, we have. Yeah. And, and she's always said, well, to us both, Kev, we've had the conversation about street photography in Austria and the, and the rules of privacy there and the fact you can't take a, a picture of somebody who might, who, who might knowingly recognise themselves. And I didn't realise, actually, by the way, it goes a step further, as Alex said, that if if you make a picture and say a relative or friend of said person you've taken a picture of recognizes and passes that picture to them, you can be in a lot of stick, a lot of trouble. And I, uh, we were taking some pictures on on the platform at Schlabming Station. You know how Thomas loves his trains, mm. and um, I, I kid you not, as the driver pulled out in this this huge intercity uh, train they have, he hid down below the controls. And then I, as it went past, because I was slightly back from Thomas, as it went past, he popped back up again as it gone past Thomas's camera. <laughs> and I, I thought, whoa, well, because that state of affairs. Well, I mean, privacy is something they take very seriously. But I, just a train driver with a kid taking a picture. Mm. I know some countries don't understand train spotting. I think the UK and America are some of the only places that do it, unless you're about to correct us but yeah I thought no well I, th I still think it's sad i mean i think it's sad for little thomas you know he likes to have his drivers in his pictures doesn't yeah, he yeah well they, they you know they, yeah you know, it's not going to do him any harm is it in america they pop their heads out the window and <laughs> good, good wave a flag pull on the horn <laughs> oh they love it and and the uk very much the same most of the drivers are like you're waving away and but there yeah. we go i thought i thought oh no please let that not be something that's going to spread um, but there we go. Right, question. We should get to questions. We'll do our mention for pick time in a in a little while, of course. Unless you've got any uh, AOB, as they say at the church meeting. No, no. no. Right. Let's, no. Let's... Well, actually, yes. Uh, we should actually do the um, new patrons while we're talking about oh, it. Oh, go on then. Um, because it's uh, it's that time. So um, thank you to all the people who do support us on Patreon. If you don't, you are not obliged to. But if you do, you will then get the Patreon <laughs> pop up show. Yes. 
which is where we do gentle critiques and reviews and just chit chat and stuff of oh, uh, things people send in. It's not so gentle. Kev laid into the last one. Should have heard him. <laughs> he was on one. <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much to Raphael Lennon, uh, Michelle Hook, Torsten Trotevine, Donald Rigvar, yeah. Kelly Mitchell. Proper complicated names this time. Well, apart from Kelly, Kelly Mitchell. Well, Kelly Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that didn't challenge. Kelly Mitchell in EastEnders. Yeah. yeah. Right, Kelly. Doesn't she own the pub? Right. Questions. Questions. Um, do you want to start from, from Facebook? Yeah. This is from Klaus. Uh, he's a train driver in Austria, and he says... <laughs> <laughs> Don't take my picture. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, time on a tradition. I will start with the most recent post on the Facebook group, and uh, this comes from Daniel Kiss, and it, it actually directs it directly to me, but I don't think... I think it's relevant to both of us. It says, Kevin Mullins, can you share your sharpening method progress? Your images are always so crispy. We have talked about this a lot, and so um, we'll be brief, I think. But sharpening-wise, I typically just do output sharpening. That's why it's called output sharpening. Um, on the export dialog in Lightroom, choose uh, screen, or if it's going to be going to paper, matted. Um, if I'm printed to matted paper or glossed or mm -hmm. glossy paper, I rarely do any sharpening itself within Lightroom with the exception of if there is an image that either, you know, I've missed the focus or it's a little bit soft or whatever. Um, and this time, and now I will use um, Topaz, whatever it's called, Topaz Sharpen. Oh, wait, wait a minute. So you do the output sharpening from within the camera? You you, you don't no, do no, 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 no. Lightroom, at the end of Lightroom, when I'm exporting from Lightroom. Oh, you confused me because you said you rarely do it in Lightroom. I, I rarely do it on the sliders in Lightroom. Ah, I do it right. on export. Ah, yeah. yeah, that's the same as I do. Yeah. So I that, used to have it set up for different ISO ranges according to how much sharpening uh, an ISO range could take. I've stopped doing that, though. Yeah, you, you can. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that, that the way that we do it is the best way to do it, but it's, it's you know, if if you're looking at my images, Daniel, and you think they're so crispy, <laughs> that's yeah. basically all that's happening. Yeah. Um, you, I, I, you might be seeing a little bit of the clarity and the um, texture sliders that I will use, especially in the black and white stuff. Um, so when that's going on in the editing, that mm. might be being used. But at, in terms of sharpening itself, I think did we not have nothing, a conversation to note. of of late? Slepsin sensor might not have had it, but um, where where we were both agreeing that we were sometimes not bothering with any sharpening. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, if you you and I both use Lightroom, so Lightroom will apply some sharpening. Some yeah, but we were, sharpening. we were laying that off, weren't we, on the import? Yeah, that's right. So it depends on which camera you're using, depends on how much it will apply as a default mm. 40 or 25 generally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it doesn't really go through my, my, pro, my thought process unless I'm doing some prints, which I never do anymore because that all goes through pick time. Mm. Um, but unless I'm doing some prints myself manually, in which case I'll, I'll just kind of choose the paper source. Um, but that's it. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like sometimes people kind of get over obsessive with sharp images, yeah. sharpness, and all of that stuff, you know. And 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 you know, to be honest with you, most people, most people will be looking at these images on smallish screens, tablets, phones, all that kind of stuff. Very few people will be looking on on big high res four or five or even six K monitors yeah. these days yeah. or screens. Um, uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't look after the sharpening and make sure it's nice, but uh, you know that's it's 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 not. I, 
I'm not a fine art photographer, so I'm you know I'm not selling high end prints or anything like that. So I, it, it's not something that really yeah. comes into my workflow too much. I was a, a, in a gallery a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at you know what I'm going to say, all the all the wonderful uh, print pictures. Um, and I always do that, push my nose up against the the glass almost thing, and hardly any of it's really very sharp. And that's what often we're um, we're aspiring to. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a digital world, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, kind of... Well, it might be a digital world, but most people spend half their time putting grain back in. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly that, yeah. Um, and interestingly, I'm doing a... Uh, there's a lady in church whose um, son sadly died when he was oh, 20, so oh no. this was 20 years ago. Right. And um, I offered to scan her. She's got a load of six by fours. Yeah. Scan her six by fours. Yeah. And she said, oh, can you do those for me? I said, yeah, of course. Um, little did I know there would be about 5,000 of them. <laughs> um, so I'm working my way through them. But it, they're beautiful pictures. And they're literally, you know, like snapshots. But snapshots of everyday life. Overexposed ones, underexposed ones, blurry ones, brilliant ones. And, and it, it, you know, it's it's real. Kind of really taught me a lesson, actually, about... The, the continuation of taking pictures um you know and it it's it, it's a brutal story and and it's all in in a timeline as well so wow. i'm currently at the point of the uh of the funeral i've had to take a break actually for a couple oh, of days because wow. it's you know it's quite hard going um but yeah i mean it's it, and it's amazing but that all of these pictures are in a book and obviously she wants them digitized because yeah. you know should anything happen to the books and uh, you know and she's handwritten notes on them all oh. and and it's it's an amazing amazing archive um, you know, but it, it, it does make me think, actually, you know, we spend probably way too much time perfecting images rather than just enjoying taking them. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm as guilty as everybody for that. So, yeah, I, I've, I've, since I've been doing this, I've been I've been purposely taking my um, X100V with me and just, you know, sticking on black and white JPEGs only and just not even worrying mm. about, uh, you know, about what's what I'm taking pictures of, just that I am taking pictures of stuff that interests me. I found that um, the 365, which I've broadly kept up with, I'm only a couple of days out here and there, has been a, a really good lesson in just making pictures. I spoke to somebody recently who said they wouldn't want to make pictures if, if it ended up just being pictures of twigs, essentially. And I, I get that. I do get that. Mm. And I've been taking pictures of twigs. I've been just ta- taking um, pictures of just stuff that goes on around me. And sometimes it's twigs and sometimes it's a lot more artistic. But it has been a really good discipline to make sure I pick the camera up every day. And I've ended up with so, so, so much more than I've I've published. Well, don't dismiss the twigs. I mean, Matt Stewart, one of Matt Stewart's most famous pictures is a picture of a leaf on a pavement. Is it? Yeah, it looks like a smiley face. Well, it looks like a smiley oh, pair of lips. You talked about that in a conversation with him. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that, yeah. Oh, for, yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just search for Matt Stewart and you'll see it. It's on. It's on, actually on the cover of his amazing book, Think Like a Street Photographer. Right. Well, there we yeah. go. Um, I had the discipline of picking up a camera every day and thinking, right, this does not have to be something that will hang in a, a big gallery. It just needs to be. It's a bit like, um, oh, what's that uh, website, Kev? It's it's nice. Not it's nice. That the Daily Nice. Oh, I think it's Daily Nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, daily, yeah, yeah. That's the, lovely. That isn't it. I love the Daily Nice today. Let me look mm. at the Daily Nice. Go on. Let's see what we both think of the Daily Nice. Daily Nice, which is thedailynice.com. Today it is, and just one picture loads. 
Paper aeroplane. It's a paper aeroplane. Oh, it's a little balsa wood one, isn't it? Yeah. See, it's not going to yeah, set. No, it's, it's not going to set the world alight, is it? But that's probably something that means something to him. That's made him. Smile. What I like about that is there's no there's no going back and forth. You can't go to yesterday's picture or anything like that. No, you know, no, there's no, no. Kind of links. Yeah. There's no about me. There's nothing. It's just called the Daily Nice, and here's a picture. I've I've approached Jason so many times, Jason Evans, um, to try and get a chat, but he's he's a bit like Banksy. It seems to me he's very difficult to 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 find. Right, um, here is one from Rosemary Minto, um, who is in New Zealand. Hi from New Zealand. I'm a newbie, serious, hobbyist, urban photographer. That's a long title. And so far, I've only used a Canon 80D DSLR, which is far too heavy and loud. I'm looking at the X-T5 as it meets all my requirements. Lighter, faster, weather-sealed, prettier. (laughs) But I'm worried it will be a huge adjustment not having an optical viewfinder. I do like the idea of the tilting frame as the Canon has the flip-out screen that I struggle to frame a scene in. It's just not intuitive to look to my left. Although, weirdly, I am a left-eye shooter. You're a left-eye. Are you a left-eye shooter? You? No, I am. No. No, you're yeah. a right-eye. I, yeah. Uh, my question, do you still use an optical viewfinder? And if not, how long did it did you find making the change? Loving the podcast, please don't stop. Uh, well, optical viewfinder, yeah, I used to shoot Canon also, and uh, in those days there was no Canon mirrorless, so it was all optical. When the X100, the original X100 came along, I did use the optical for a bit because it was quicker. That original EVF in the X100 was. <laughs> just felt sluggish didn't it yeah it was it was sluggish yeah and you'd, you'd end up with a lag um yeah, yeah. from the shoot and the same was true of the x pro one and to a certain extent x pro two um but yeah pretty much from x pro two onwards i properly stopped using the optical viewfinder with the exception of um low light stuff first dance that kind of thing i would switch the optical viewfinder then but now in the with the modern xt5 and all of the, the oh, degree pokery that goes on there big evf yeah, uh, yeah. I don't miss the EVF, uh, the OVF, and in the X Pro Three, when I use that, I, I don't use the OVF very rarely. Maybe uh, just from a nostalgic point of view. I can't remember the last time I, I flicked that switch in the X One Hundred V. That's for sure. Yeah, part of me wonders whether that's why we we're not seeing a, a new update to the X Pro oh. from Fujifilm, or certainly doesn't seem to be like one in the rumor mill or anything. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if that's because they, they realize that people aren't really using the optical viewfinder. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that do, by the way, but, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that is the differentiating factor, isn't it, of that camera? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if there's there's kind of internal conversations about that going on. I, I, I'm, I'm reading through Rosemary's email here and thinking, um, why why would you need your optical viewfinder now that you can see the world <laughs> exposed correctly through your through your EVF? I mean, it's a, it's a yes. I suppose it's a change of it's not a complete change of direction. It's um, it's a paradigm change, isn't it? And for some people, that's quite difficult. Um, you know, and I get it. You know, I totally understand it. If that's the way you're, yeah, you're, you know, you're used to seeing through the lens and mm. setting your exposure manually, mostly in those cases. Um, you know, I, I get it. it. It is a big difference. It's a big change, mm. but I think it's a change for the good. Yeah, and you'll you'll soon um, as anybody who's swapped to well, I say anybody loosely. Who swapped into mirrorless will find very very quickly you think oh right okay i can see what i'm shooting fantastic why do yeah. i why do i need the only time i find that 
The only time I don't enjoy the EVF is if I'm, and I don't do this very often. You do actually, so you might you might well have a thought on this. Is when I go into a studio condition, and I'm not looking through glass. I'm looking through an EVF that's having to having to boost a signal, as it were, to show me what's happening from a modelling lamp. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I did a studio shoot yesterday afternoon uh, using GFX and. Because I'm using continuous lighting, oh, it makes it's no difference. Really relevant. No, no, yeah, no, no. but if you're using flash, I mean, you do have the preview options now to switch it off. But yeah, uh, yes, perhaps that might be a, an, an yeah. example when an optical viewfinder might be more relevant, especially if you're really, uh, really kind of up to date with your flash skills. But you'll know what I mean. It's, it's it's not it's not that clear, defined image you see through an OVF when you're working yeah. in the studio with flash. If you're at say a hundred ISO. Uh, one two fifth at f eight. You know that 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 setting that the, you pull out the book on the first day of moving into a flash. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't for me feel as comfortable. That's that's for sure. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Right. We should hear from our guest. He, th- th- this this is this with the next couple of editions. Um. We've got Mr. Whisper, and honestly, Kev, he is one of. <laughs> he is one of the the kindest, uh, most generous street photographers I think I've ever spoken to. Had an absolute blast talking with him. Um, here is Mr. You're supposed to say Whisper, Kev. Oh, sorry. Whisper. <laughs> Play the game. So, Mr. Whisper. Presumably, I'm thinking the Whisper comes from this ability to be a, a quiet presence within the scenes you photograph. You sort of fo- fall away into the shadows, Bal, or you, uh, you're yeah. conspicuously inconspicuous if there could be such a thing <laughs> well i would i would love to um agree with that answer but uh, <laughs> and 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 it kind of like it's like you've just said it works completely with uh for, for what i'm using it now for my street photography and my photography in general yeah. however the name was really born um way back um before my i think in my college days oh. when i used to do uh, a bit of graffiti and uh, it was my my graffiti tag back in the day so um ah. you know i used it back then i really liked it as just like a, a kind of artistic name and then you know i went to art college and i was doing other stuff but then it was when social media came about and you know i was i was i was heavily into social media it was part of my job yeah. but um I didn't trust the internet, so I didn't want to use my real name. So, you know, it felt right to bring Mr. Whisper back and kind of use it on Twitter, Instagram, or any of the platforms that I was exploring. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, lo and behold, it's worked really well. It, it obviously resonates with people, which is really nice. And uh, I just like the sound of it. Yeah, and, uh, because I kept playing with it in my mind. I thought, maybe it's the marriage with low light, Mr. Whisper. I like that, the quiet of the night. So uh, we all build our own narratives around it, don't we? It's interesting that you, uh, you're somebody who now engages, embraces, and you know, you, you and the internet are into. You're, well, you are married. You're intertwined, but it, it was something you, you didn't, you didn't uh, trust at all. Why, why didn't you trust it? Well, it was just the the fact that um, you know, social media was all about kind of sharing lots of information with people that you'd never shared before. You know, like what the inside of your home might look like, what your house looked like, or where you were at a certain particular time. And for me, just being the very kind of uh, cautious person that I am, yeah. I just thought, and and for you know, it was part of my work to explore all the diff- different social networks. So, you know, just briefly, I was, uh, I worked as a creative director previously in yeah. advertising. Yeah. So thrown into like 
the, the, the beginnings of social media and I was completely hooked. I really enjoyed the idea of, you know, it no longer being advertising, but it being, you know, people's actual words and voices being heard to, to sell products, which felt a bit, a bit more truthful. Mm. But besides that, it was the fact that I just, I, you know, because I was exploring all these platforms, I didn't want to use my name. So yeah, Mr. Mr. Whisper felt like yeah. the, the right thing to do. And, uh, well, yeah, I, I like it. While we're talking about your starts and, and social coming of age, as it were, you're the product, or at least your life as a photographer is is a, a product. The, the excitement around Instagram, um, because it oh. launched, you launched. Yes. Would it be fair, yeah. fair to say the platform just accelerated this journey? Because um, I'm imagining working in advertising as you were. You might have been shooting to a degree already, or weren't you? No, no, not at all. Oh. I was totally against, not against photography. You know, I had always, you know, people had always said to me that, oh, you should have a camera on you, you know, at all times. It's what creative directors do. And uh, I, I just, you know, I, I was always happy with my phone. I was like, I can take notes with it. I loved the kind of more functionality based around it. But I guess it was the fact that through Instagram, it just made photography so kind of open to everyone, I felt. It didn't matter what equipment you were using. You could use something as simple as a phone or you could use, uh, you know, your big camera, which we, you were used to using with whichever lens you wanted to. Yeah. That just felt very inviting for me. So, you know, I, I just started, I, I was experimenting with various styles, but my, my main time to shoot was on my commute to work to and from the office and i just found you know there were there were these endless stories to be told on the london underground yeah. <laughs> and I, I you know i got, i got really hooked with the it was it's very close proximity um there's you know <laughs> there's there's no getting away with the shot if you get caught you know you're there and you're on a tube but there was an, an, an immense like adrenaline rush which something which related back to like my kind of you know graffiti days of like did you get it didn't you get it and yeah. then you know it was it was that which um which got me hooked onto it and then the community of instagram was incredibly encouraging and i just continued to do this with a with a newfound passion for like i guess it was it was candid street mm -hmm. photography and um and, and then from there it just grew community encouraged me to do more i was posting every day um, until some point, um, brand started to get in touch with me and I was, uh, I was kind of blown away. I was like, here I am working in advertising, working with these brands and now like the likes of Adidas Lonely Planet, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they got in touch and I was like, hold on a minute. This is just such a dream scenario for me being a creative in the industry, um, not having to go through all the red tape of, you know, all the, the various rounds of concepts and, you know, an idea being amazing to something that couldn't, you know, when it's conceived, not so great. Now it's just me, the client and my yeah. creative vision. Like I was like this, I could be onto something here. So, uh, you know, armed simply with my smartphone for the first two years, I took a, I kind of, I quit my full-time job oh. and freelance to do a transition and test out the waters of, of this newfound world. But, you know, I was well-versed in dealing with clients understanding what their problems were and coming up with some really nice creative solutions for both of us. You know, one example was for the launch of a new smart, the, the iPhone, and it was with Vodafone. They came to me and they said, oh, wouldn't it be great for you to 
to shoot the London Eye with the new iPhone showing some amazing perspectives. And I'm sure I had just recently been on the London Eye. You know, it's a very common thing as well. So I was, I'm always keen to try and get something unique or something a little bit different. I know it's very difficult. You know, I still strive if I go to a a landmark, I'm really going to try and get something that you've not seen before. So with that kind of head on, um, I went back to Vodafone and I said, look, wouldn't it be more amazing if we got into a helicopter and flew across <laughs> over the city and then took some shots? That would really show how good it was. And so it was, you know, examples like that where I was able to implement some of my past advertising experience coupled with my passion for like trying to get newfound shots of the city Um which, which, you know, was just such an exciting journey. I, I would imagine the democracy was uh, was great as well because you'd been <laughs> used to working in in agencies where you had to pass the, the idea past a, a focus group and then a director and then a creative director and then the client. And, and now you're on your own. You are. You are everything. You're the photographer. You're the conceptual artist. You're the fixer. You're everything, aren't you? The director of photography with the iPhone. Yeah, that's it. And it was, you know, that, that continued for like two years because I was, I was really focused after, you know, I had worked at Samsung, so I was really into smartphone technology and how much you could do with them. Hence, you know, being a smartphone photographer, I had like the full suite of apps, being able to edit stuff yeah. um, fully as if I had like a full like Adobe suite on my phone. And this was back in 2014 or 12 even, because, you know, I went on then to, to, to do like the Brazil World Cup. Yeah. with adidas and other things just with my phone and it was only when i i did a project with lacoste and uh you know that was with my phone and then they came back to me and said you know we'd love to use this in a much wider campaign we love the photography um are we able to display it in our stores across europe but being an iphone of that date you know you couldn't go much bigger than an a4 piece of paper sadly so it was literally i think the next day i went i went out to buy a sony camera actually and uh and then the the xt1 had just come out and the guy in the store showed me that my friend who was like you know you always when you're buying your first camera you go with that expert guy who knows everything about cameras so my my friend gus came with me and he was just you know he he'd had a canon he thinking about doing the transition to sony because it was the big thing and i looked at the sony felt the sony didn't feel any kind of connection with it but you know, I was like, who do, what do I know about cameras? But then the X-T1 came out and I was like, wow, this, this is what a camera should look like. This is how it should feel. Mm. And, and just the, uh, I think the aesthetics blew me away being such a a designer at heart. I was just like, this is beautiful. Um, I'd happily wear this around my neck every day of my life. Can I rewind just a little bit um, uh, for the the Instagram story, which does fascinate me because you were right in there at the start. What mm-hmm. was it like at the start? Because there, there were less rules on, on how you could advertise on the medium uh, mm-hmm. and how you represented yourself and how you represented uh, uh, clients' work. What was it like? It must have been, I mean, you, you were trailblazing, if I can use that word. <laughs> it, I mean, it was, it was very exciting. It was, um, it was absolutely unheard of, to be honest, because, you know, like I said, at the same time, I had been a creative director for mm. 12 years. Well, you know, worked my way up to, to that title. And I was freelancing for the first two years of that as I was transitioning. So I knew that I had an incredible creative director portfolio out there ready to do freelance work. 
But at the same time, I was posting photos on Instagram. And these photos on Instagram were probably generating like three or four jobs a week. Wow. <laughs> which then I had to pick and choose very kind of carefully yeah. what brands I wanted to associate with, which brands had the options to expand projects. And, you know, it would be a really good brand association for me. That time was like, you know, when we watch Mad Men on TV, that that was the heyday of advertising. Yeah. I guess my heyday of like photography and kind of, yeah, why I was really attracted to this just such creative potential. Yeah. Right place, right time. Would you do it differently now? No, not at all. I'm I'm so happy with everything that I've been through, the things that I've been able to experience and just just really excited as I kind of settle and and decide what is the right next steps now with yeah. this real nice combination of you know, skill sets of photography and how can, how can that be utilized in a, in a, in an exciting and new way? That's, that's what I'm looking to try to collaborate with moving forward, which is exciting because I, I really don't know what that is. In terms of social media, there's, uh, there's many ways to skin a cat, if you forgive the phrase. Um, mm -hmm. How do you decide what to invest your time into in, in terms of social? It makes a lot of sense, of course, that you're using Instagram. You were an early adopter. It's been, it's been a, a channel that you've built. You've worked yes. very hard to build that. But there mm -hmm. are other channels. There's Vero. There's Twitter. There's YouTube. YouTube, of course, that's more demanding in terms of time because you can spend a lot of time making a film and get half yeah. the engagement of what you probably get on Instagram, I would imagine. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what I have found. But at the same time, you know, I, I try not to let that, you know, make me not make videos. I love making videos. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, when I for my next street walk, I'm only shooting video because I really, really want to get my kind of video storytelling up to par with my um, photography. But when it comes to making YouTube, yes, it takes an incredible amount of time, which I just struggle to find because I want to make something of value. And, and suddenly it turns into this full broadcast, which needs a storyboard and a script. <laughs> you know, I, I get into advertising mode, whereas I, I should be a little bit freer with it. But yeah. Yeah, you choose you choose your platform. So I do have a presence on YouTube, um, and and I do find it rewarding every time I do manage to make a, a post because you know even if it was six months ago, people are still finding them and commenting them mm -hmm. uh, and finding certain bits and pieces very useful. So for me, it's you know I try to use certain platforms for different things. YouTube is very much for me a place to give back everything that I've learned while I'm learning at the same time. Instagram probably works more like an organic um, portfolio for me, but I also have a very good community who gives me great feedback on stuff that I'm doing. And just going back to your point of, you know, very early Instagram days and how I kind of handled that. Well, you know, I was, I, I've always kind of made sure I've got that hashtag ad in my caption but the fact you know i can i can honestly say i don't think that meant anything to anyone until like six years later when it became a thing and then people were like oh you've got to put these certain things in so that you're transparent with your audience and my audience i'm very thankful to say have been so supportive about it no negative comments about it because I think that is part of my my process when I'm trying to choose my collaborations quite carefully and how either I can bring them back in a very honest and transparent conversation to be had with my 
my audience. I know there's the advertising work that you do and the clients that you work with, and there's obviously your, your work, and the two meld quite quite a lot anyway. Um, so where did this, as, as you were making your pictures, as you were developing your, your uh, grid and your style, and, your, and we'll come to cameras soon as well, as you were developing all this, how did the, the low light thing develop with it? Because that's what you're very much known for now. It's, I, would, I would expect that there, is, uh, there are certain AM times on your clock that don't exist. Well, uh, <laughs> they'll be into the night ones, maybe two, three or four in the morning, because your low light work is just oh, delicious. Oh, that's that's very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the low light stuff was born as part of the transition, actually, from my smartphone to a big camera. Ah, right. Because, you know, I never, I subliminally or subconsciously never realised that, you know, with my phone, I was only taking photos during the day. And then I remember we, I went, I got my XT1 and I went to Dubai. You know, I'd be shooting during the day, but at night I was just, I also had it with me. So I'd start shooting at night. So like, hang on a minute. I've never shot at night before. Oh, oh. <laughs> and now I can yeah. because everything you'd shoot with your phone at night back in those days was just horrible. It yeah. was, you know, it was a snowstorm really. Was so that, that's, that's a brilliant <laughs> way of putting it. So yeah, that, that wouldn't be acceptable for me. So no. I, you know, I would, I did try a little bit with uh, with low light stuff. I found that it needed incredible amounts of editing to make it work with a smartphone. Mm. So when I was able to do it with the with my camera, I was just I, I was like, hang on a minute, this is a whole new world for me. And when I started to look at look for the same narratives in the day that I would at night, I just found there was such a more cinematic quality to my images by night. And, and also, you know, it, it also just fades out a lot of the noise because you're able to kind of, you find these self-made vignettes, you know, that that's what I'm constantly looking for is trying to isolate people in a a very busy city. And, you know, you'll just see them suddenly spotlit within the night scene. And then I'm off on a chase trying to get them and picture them in, you know, frame them in a, in the right narrative for what I'm trying to convey. I wonder whether you work in a different way, because I know you probably still use your smartphone for pictures. Why not? It's it's there and it's a fantastic tool. But I wonder, mm-hmm. and I don't mean just technically with noise, etc. but I wonder if you feel differently when you're making a picture with, um, uh, it's an X-T5 now, I know, but whether whether it's an X-T1 or 2 or 3 or 4 or 5, uh, and, mm-hmm. your, and your smartphone, is there a different process to it? Do you feel differently about a picture you make with either or? Yes, definitely. Because I have worked with so many smartphone brands yeah. over over the period of time, and I've been testing them purely for their low-light abilities. Mm. You know, so as amazing as they get, I always find myself, when I want to produce the best image for low-light quality to showcase their abilities, it will have to be a long exposure. I think it was only in my last and final smartphone project that I didn't have to do that, which which kind of, you know, threw me off my seat a little bit. And it's still the smartphone that I use to this day. Um, so I know that, you know, where its limitations are. It's that fact that I know there's a, there's a, a striking difference if I was to go with a with a phone, I would come back very frustrated because I'd probably miss ninety percent of the, yeah. the the shots that I have in my mind. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely distinguish between them, and I have not posted like a smartphone photo unless it's a sponsored post from a brand yeah. on my feed since I since I transitioned because I just feel there is such there is such a big gap for me. Um, XT, I know you love your XTs. 
Did you um, have you used the the X one hundred range at all in in your work? No, I haven't. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's funny you say that because if you can get on, hold of one, that is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna put a request in and try and get hold of one, mm. um, and then do um, a YouTube review because it's it is very popular and there's yeah. about a million a million reviews out there, but I've not seen that many on. Uh, night photography with it, so I uh, think it was quite an interesting thing to 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 test out. I guard my X one hundred V as if I'm wearing a Rolex when I'm walking around London. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you should. It's, I wouldn't be able to get another one at the moment quite so easily. There's a there's a strong abstract nature to your work. For example, I see pictures where you use your your smartphone to make reflections. You shoot across your smartphone with your with, with your big phone uh, with your big camera, as we're calling it. Um, you, yep. t- you turn scenes upside down quite routinely. There are triptychs within single images. It, I mean, it's hard to reinvent wheels, but you certainly work hard to try and surprise your audience, don't you? Reframing is something you do. And you mentioned trying to find different ways of shooting iconic structures or scenes. And I love the St Paul's one, for for example. Does that come... Oh, I suppose it comes naturally to you now, but it's something you had to work very hard on. Yes, I think, and, and I think it's it's a continuous thing, to be honest, because there's there's an incredible amount of, you know, talented, talented photographers now more than there ever was yeah and again you know that's all thanks to you know all these apps like instagram and vero encouraging people just to get up get on there and then so you know for me it's i i I, yeah it's the challenge that i absolutely love and you know it's it's 99 percent of the time my clients come to me as well for that kind of unique perspective they'll come and say wow we've not seen that before can you do something with this and and it's a great challenge and let's let's sit down and you know really think about this because i think that's something that i like to do as well you know i do like to kind of prepare myself have a little story that i'm like trying to tell so i'm 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 kind of semi-focused but open to you know the other stuff that the city's going to throw at me but no that's that's really really encouraging to hear that you know my work is seen like that because i i really strive to try and bring a new look and you know what what really encourages me is you know then when i see a lot of people making those same frames as well and then saying, wow, I'd never seen a London bus like that before. So, you know, it's it's as simple things like that, which is great because, yeah, it's, it's always a lovely creative challenge. Mr Whisper returns in a few weeks' time. Kev, we should uh, mention Pick Time here, our heroes. Pick-time.com is the service that we both use when it comes to uh, showing our, our works, our, our pictures to our customers. You use it, I use it. A lot of people use it, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, we... it's probably the most popular of the gallery systems out there right now, I would say. I think they've done yeah. it remarkable over the, the very short period of time that they've, they've really been around. Yeah. Um, lots of great updates. Lots of the blogging stuff is flying. I see people really using that now as well. So tell me about the blogging thing because I'm still not using that yet. You had a conversation with the powers that be there, which we aired. Obviously, are, are you using it yet? Not yet because I haven't really. I shot my first wedding last weekend, ah. so when that time comes, I'll probably 
uh, implement it when when it, you know when it's ready. But um, yeah, so effectively, you the, the blogging is integrated with the pick time system, um, which, as you know, when you're often you'll do your blog posts yeah. kind of I don't know three four months after the actual wedding itself, which involves going back into Lightroom, re-exporting, resizing, reframing, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas now you can actually create a very beautiful and, and obviously pick time one of the one of the things that they're they're famous for if you like is the fact that they 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 take amazing care and attention to design and layout mm. um and so you know pretty much at a click of a button you can have a beautifully uh, laid out blog post based mm. on the images that you've selected from your already existing gallery so it's a winner winner chicken dinner all the way around <laughs> pretty much yeah and you're gonna you're gonna use both tools you do your own blogging on squarespace i know that because you have your stories that you do from your weddings and the events that you shoot but you've decided to embrace using the PickTime one as well, haven't you? The PickTime one being for the clients only, the blog one being for the rest of the world. Yeah, that's that's my plan. Um, but you don't have to do it that way. You can, even if you have Squarespace, you can create your blog post on PickTime and embed that. Right. Um, just like you would embed the PickTime photo film, you can do that. Um, and you can embed it in WordPress and various other places, of so, course. So, yeah. Embedding then the PickTime blog system into Squarespace, will that is that an easy one? Yeah, it's the same way. So you've embedded a photo film from PickTime in Squarespace. Yeah. Uh, you just you just get the it's it's called an iframe code. You just get the iframe code and 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 it goes. Um, from an SEO point of view, there shouldn't really be much of an impact. I wouldn't say there wouldn't be. It won't be as strong as doing it entirely on Squarespace. Um, just because it has to pass through to the iframe, but you know, the, the, a very small loss in that respect um, compared to the uh, the great gain of doing it in big yeah. um, time is is probably probably more powerful. Um, but you you know, your mileage may vary on that. You you, you you know, obviously, you will be limited to the way that pick time does its blogging, and you know, there are there are certain constraints in terms of. Uh, you know how you kind of lay the images out and things yeah. like that, but it does look beautiful, yeah. and uh, you know, you, you, I think, and it's free. So you know, it's free if you've got a PickTime account. So just have a look at it, have a play with it, yeah. and you might you might decide it's not for you. But I would imagine most people who regularly blog will just go, "Oh my word, why didn't I know about this before?" And then we will say, "You did know because we told you about it months ago," and you <laughs> can get a free month using the code FujiCast. <laughs> all in capital letters that was very slick kev i like that i'm a pro yeah i it's only taken three years how, i'm how, actually doing my accounts as we speak <laughs> yeah, oh, please tell me you're not i am doing my bookkeeping there's not a lot of it going on <laughs> kev how's your radio show going uh, i was back on the airwaves on tuesday yeah first time in a couple of months because i've had like funerals and technical yeah. bits and stuff and what have you so yeah it was all right i, I quite enjoyed it again yeah good yeah Right, questions. Do you want to go from Facebook? I think, did I do the last or did you do the last? You did the last one. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's go to David Jennings, who says, to build a portfolio in commercial food photography, what are your thoughts on enticing businesses with a free photo shoot but charging per photo download for the ones that they want to use? With a side condition, oh, I thought he was going to say with a side of chips then. No. <laughs> with a side condition that the photographer can sell the photos on stock photo websites. Right. There is obviously a risk they would, wouldn't purchase many, if any, but at least can get some long-term revenue if the photos sell. It sounds too complicated to me, and I don't think clients think that way. Well, you might find a few that do, but I don't think enough will think that way. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's a cute idea, but but I'm I'm not sure that clients will think, oh, I, that's great. I can you know peppercorn for this, and then I'll pop it up there, and I'll become a a food zillionaire. There's there's so many food images around that are free. I'm not sure. Well, that, there are, yeah. and obviously with the threat of AI and everything. But I I I mean, I would say if it, if this is a brand new kind of. Um, uh, well it is it sounds direction. like a, yeah yeah sound, yeah it yeah. sounds like a, a new you know, it says to build a portfolio so uh, you know personally and i know there will be a lot of grumpy old men that will will, will frown and, and switch the switch the podcast off at this point but mm-hmm. i have no i would have no problems in saying yeah do some stuff for free yeah. uh you know get your get your get your toes in the soup and you know get your, get, get your fork in the food <laughs> toes in the soup. Get pictures out there um, and do it yeah i mean i i uh, yeah, you, you're right. The, 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 the then bit about stock photos and everything yeah, sounds a bit overcomplicated. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Throw them on stock websites. Yeah. If they sell, they sell. If they don't, they don't. But I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, just doing some free stuff in the short term to, you know, to get your portfolio up and running. I've done it with my portrait stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know? yeah. Um, so did, a, did it yesterday. The new site looks uh, great. Fireman, yeah. yeah. You had a what in there? Fireman. Fireman. I didn't know you were so, doing those kind of shoots, look, Very good looking guy. Yeah. Very good looking yeah. guy. Um, yeah. the, in, I, I always think of our, our friend Chris Orange at this point, who um, who was doing lots of landscapes and and other social uh, photography work, and then and then his food stuff just went, he literally went flying because he flew to to the World Cup in uh, Qatar to photograph the VIP um, suites that were were serving food and he he i mean he went away for an entire world cup and he was doing he was essentially doing food photography but he got there through doing free jobs to start with getting in with clients um you know modeling and styling food getting in with clients uh, and then gradually building uh that that uh that portfolio and, and until clients were well <laughs> throwing money at him um, yeah, yeah 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 i mean i, I have no problems in, in kind of saying yeah if, when you're yeah. right at the beginning of a journey we've both done know, it kev we've both we've both done it uh, I haven't. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I won't. I don't hide the fact. Um, yeah. But yes, so yeah, but don't the the stock stuff. I think you'll you'll be hard pushed to make money from stock uh, images selling food unless you can find some kind of unique twist to it. Um, but yeah, otherwise, well, I think you've, your eggs on. You, you've you've found that unique angle. Put your toe in some soup. That's right. <laughs> Put your toe in some soup, crack your eggs on, and away you go. You'll be with Chris <laughs> Orange at the next World Cup. In Absolutely sorted. What do you think, bouquet chicken? <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd agree. <laughs> Burger for one. Um, this is from Philando Jones. We haven't heard from Philando for ages. Um, hi, gents. It's been a while since I've submitted a question. I think the last time was way back. See, episode six or eight. I'll go, oh. We'll go and check. I don't mean to be sombre. Oh. But here's a question for the both of you. When a client or relative of a client that you photographed fairly recently has passed, uh, what do you do with their photos? Out of respect, would you remove them from your website and social media or would you leave them up? Within the, the past year or so, two clients of mine, both older gentlemen who were part of a large larger family photo session, have passed away. For one of those gents, the family knew the time was coming and his wife wanted to get them together again for pictures. How would you have handled this after finding out the news? Thanks for the the show and great content, Philando. I I will always refer to uh, a wedding uh, that I shot. Oh, it must be a decade ago now, 
Kev. I mean, you you know the one with uh, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Sarah, who was um, who came here to. I mean, I'm I'm looking behind me where I used to have the meeting room. There's studios here now, but the meeting room was there. And I remember the day that that Sarah and Wilson, her husband to be, came. Um, I'd photographed their young daughter with them as a as a photo as a photo. She went and had a studio, so that was a long time ago. And yeah. uh, I, I always remember her saying to me, "Well, you know." It, I've got a wedding next month. I asked, why, why next month? Why the, why the speed? And she said, well, it's like this. I've got a brain tumour. It's going to get me. I won't get it. Um, I shot the wedding. She did pass, sadly, um, even though she, she battled so so hard and, and so bravely against this, taking surgery in, in France, I believe, as well. And um, But she did pass. And I remember making that phone call to her husband, um, and having a chat and saying, look, I'll, I'll take the, uh, it was a photo film that I made. I'll take that down. And he said, don't you dare. She was the biggest show off. She would love the fact that it's still there. Uh, and it still is to, to this day. And there's more stories that go with that, that story. But not everybody is going to feel that way, are they? Uh, no, obviously not everybody will feel that way. But I wouldn't, uh, you know, if... It, for weddings, it's unlikely that people are going to let you know that somebody's passed away yeah. put it that way. Yeah, um, they might do, but it's unlikely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would. It would only really cross my mind if somebody actually said to me, "Look, we'd prefer it if those pictures came down." Yeah, in which case, I would, I would, I would honour their their request. Of course, you would. But I wouldn't, you know, even if I found out on kind of social media or something like that that somebody had passed away, sadly, I wouldn't then go to that client and, you know, or their relatives and say, would you like me to take that blog post down? I just, I just wouldn't. I just, so, so you know. you you'd just leave it there, yeah? I would just leave it there. Yeah, I don't think, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one, but I, I just, you know, you, you can't just take things down for, for everything, you know, otherwise there'll be a reason for everything to bring something down, won't it? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. So I, I leave leave it there. If they ask, fine. If if not, yeah. And and actually, <laughs> I I would imagine some people would get great comfort from looking online and saying, "Ah, oh, there's Dad, still there." Um, there could be that effect as well, couldn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I I find it I find it unlikely that people would want them to be removed. Put yeah. it that way. Thanks, Orlando, and we'll see you in another 340 episodes. Yeah, yeah, something a bit more cheery next time, mate, please. <laughs> Thanks, Orlando. Uh, but it is a serious subject, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you are not the only one, Orlando, thinking about that. And I know I have myself at times when I've heard news like that, but I, I've, as Kev said, I, I've not taken it down. But I would, obviously, if um, if I if I were asked, I mean the the story that you've recounted so many times now. Let's not. We probably don't need to hear the story again. But of the um, of the grandma that you photographed, her very last photograph, literally last photograph made of her on a wedding day before she passed at the wedding. Mm. Did you ever have that on a blog? Yeah, yeah. Oh, not necessarily the one immediately before, but she was in the blog post. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's never yeah. come down? It's not on the website now because once it was not one of the ones that made the cut from when I moved across the Squarespace. Ah, so, however, okay. it might go back on there because I've recently got all my archives back in and put all my ducks in one archive line again. Okay. So maybe maybe when I'm re-editing stuff, it'll pop back up again at some point and I'd oh. have no problems doing that. Yeah. Okay. Right, yours, 
Facebook. Uh, right, a quick one from a QQ from Steve Ford, who is also in New Zealand. Uh, the annual, biannual, monthly, fortnightly, on the hour, age-old question. Why can't I shoot tethered with my X-T3 or any other flavour of Fujifilm with Lightroom? I wasn't going to say, I don't think that's that's uh, one we've had too many times, is it? Uh, I don't think so. And you can, um, but you need to get a plug-in. That's my, now I've never done this, so don't shout at me from New Zealand if, uh, if it doesn't work. But you, there is a plug-in, and it's, uh, it's erotically called Fujifilm Tether Shooting Plugin for Adobe Photoshop Lightroom. Catchy. Yeah, and you can uh, – well, well, we'll link to it in the show notes and stuff. But if you just bang into Google, shoot tethered Lightroom Fujifilm, right. <laughs> then you'll, you'll get to the page. It's a, it's a Fujifilm plugin. It's not a um, – you know, it's not third-party thing. So that should do it. These are QQs. Oh, there's there's one here, but I think this is um, this is something about... I recently wrote an article for Petapixel addressing the fact that AI images are not photographs. Oh, no, it's uh, an interview request. Oh, it's an interview request. Ooh, are yeah. you going to do that, Kev, or me? Yeah, we need to speak about that. But yeah. yes, I, uh, yeah. It was actually aimed at you. It was almost like, Kevin. Yes, because <laughs> I've had a pre-conversation about it. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'll, shall I leave that? I'll slide that into the Kev's looking after this file. Um, yeah, and and this one's more of a comment, really. It's from Was Alexander. Was uh, we love our ex pros. We have one each and shoot weddings with them. We who's we? Oh, Was out of M and Was. Yeah, M and Was. I know them. They're, w- they, they're M- from Hull, I think, or somewhere up there. Ah, mwas.co. Let me just click on their their website. Oh, yeah. I do like a website, Kev. That the first thing you see is a big brash. Boof, emotional picture yeah so uh yeah going back we love our uh, our um our ex pros we have one each and shoot weddings with them uh, and xh1s i'm hard on mine m my fiance treats hers well her sub monitor ah this is i mean if there was a an age-old if there was a, a a sort of a, a regular question at the moment it would be that of the sub monitor wouldn't it mm. her sub monitor has just started to go wonky it started off freezing, then it moved to breaking up and changing colour. I suspect it's the ribbon that links the screen to the camera and it's not reliable enough. I don't flip my screen down as much as her, and maybe that's why mine's lasted longer. Luckily, still covered by warranty, doesn't put us off the cameras, but I suspect the fault is a bit more common than it appears. Now, we haven't had this issue, have we, Kev? But then, do you do a lot of um, flipping sc- flipping of screens? No, not at all. Um, Maybe that's why we're not having it, because I don't either. I mean, I, I get the, uh, the trousers dirty, and I, you know, there's many times I think, why don't I just flip up the screen when I'm lying on the floor in the mud? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, this clearly is an issue for some people, um, although you and I have been lucky enough not to, and was by the sounds of it also. But some people are getting it, and, uh, you know, if it's within warranty, then they should fix it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... I guess, you know, it's a moving part, isn't it? I suppose yeah. it's the same as any camera. If you, it, whether it's an X-Pro or whether it's an X-T5 or whether it's a Sony or a Ricoh or whatever that's got a flippy screen, yeah. you know, the more aggressive you are with that and the more you you, you, you move that piece, the, the more chance it's going to get damaged at some point. It's like a car door, isn't it? But I, you know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean it's like a car door? What do you do? Get out your windows so you don't break well, your car Car doors get squeaky, don't they? And, you know, <laughs> and they bashed and, you know, sometimes they need to have their hinges replaced and yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> your window don't open. <laughs> that's true. X- <laughs> XH2S, though, I love the, the articulation. And I get the feeling that um, that's a screen that won't, won't suffer. Oh, God, I've just given it the... 
touch wood as I'm saying that. Um, beca- yeah. Because the articulation works in an in entirely different way. I don't feel it's as... I, I always feel a little bit... I don't like lifting uh, or tilting the screen on my my um, my X100V. I feel it's a bit, oh, just, oh, no, it's moving. I, I don't know what you feel about the different articulation systems. Well, I, I must admit, I'm not, I don't, use, I don't articulate the screens that often, although okay. I suppose I do it more on my X100 than I do on anything else. Right. And you've been using that quite a bit recently. So, uh, yeah, I mean... <sighs> No, I, I, I don't fret about these things. I suppose, I mean, I was always kind of protected a little bit by being being a Fujifilm ambassador, knowing that I'd you know I'd always get things repaired and stuff should I need them. Yeah. Um, at a you know at a discount as well, and, and and that's that's kind of not the case now. So I need to be a little bit more careful, perhaps, with my stuff. <laughs> I've never had to send anything back, even when, that's typical, isn't it? When I was an ambassador, yeah. Don't say I've just I'll open my cupboard tomorrow and don't. literally everything will fall onto the floor. That's it. Oh dear. <laughs> Okay, oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I seem to have dropped my entire camera uh, collection. <laughs> Everything's on the floor. It's all fallen out the cupboard. Right, I think we've got time for uh, for one one more. Uh, are we a bit early, Kev? We might have time for two more. Okay, well, I've got another reasonably quick one that comes up occasionally. Is it my go or your go? Your go. Dusko Petrovich. Yep. Uh, that's a catchy name, yeah, I like that. Dusko Petrovich be a dj uh just curious <laughs> how do you two neil and kevin know each other maybe it was mentioned in some of the earlier episodes which it was uh, i started listening just before the pandemic and i never went over the old episodes well kev was my second husband neil uh, was my first wife <laughs> yeah work that one out <laughs> I, I, wasn't it alistair that introduced us no or, or did you introduce me to, to alistair I think I introduced you to Alistair. Or oh, did we yeah. meet? Or oh, did we meet? Did our did our eyes meet across a crowded floor at a Jeff Ascoff um, convention? Was it that? No, I don't think so. I, I, as I remember it, Alistair and I had been chatting. I'd met Alistair. Yeah. Uh, so Alistair Freeman, by the way, who uh, we have interviewed him also on oh, the yeah, show. We should, we should fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd been chatting to him because he lived near me, and then we kind of. I think we got in touch with you for kind of to talk about a referral thing. And then I think the first time we actually met was at a um, Jeff Ascoff yeah. uh, workshop. You did seminar. them in, in Watford, in sunny Watford. Watford, yeah. At the Hilton Hotel in Watford. It was it? the Hilton Hotel in Watford, yeah. With a BP garage just down the way because the the machine that sold the chocolate at night never worked. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, I did have a hangover. Yeah, I think I think most of our most of our line uh, of seats probably did. I think there was a bit in the middle where uh, if Jeff would have looked out, he'd have seen droopy eyes. Not because he wasn't doing a good talk, because he was. Yeah, no, they were excellent workshops. Uh, Moving on very quickly, Garish. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. (laughs) Though I've been silent of late, late I do tune in. I confess to feeling crestfallen when the topic of you not being a Fujifilm ex-photographer came on the podcast. Though I see you've gained a black belt and a horse. Yeah. How is Star? (laughs) Yeah. We're taking on a trailer tomorrow to her first jump-in show. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, but I tell you what, I bet Rose is really excited. Yeah, she is. Is she a bit nervous? Is she a bit nervous? It probably is, yeah. She's done she's done lots of um, equestrian stuff before, but on other people's horses. Yeah, I'm actually going to take my GFX. I think 
try and get I, some pictures. I'm surprised you'd use the GFX at a at a at a horse event. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Just something to do, isn't it? I just <laughs> I suppose. So. I mean, I'm not going to be tracking the horses around the the thing, but well, I'll, yeah. I'll pump myself in front of one of the jumps. Not obviously on the track, but on the side. Yeah. And uh, and my plan is to pre-focus on the actual jump itself, use my f one point seven lens, and see if I can get the eyes of the horse yeah. in focus. Well, that's then, gonna be there, there's your challenge for the day, Kev. Yeah, it's a hell of a challenge. Yeah. 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 The only problem is my widest lens is forty five mil. Right. Oh. So I'm <laughs> back a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. We'll see. So you got a black belt on a horse. He's pleased about that. You did mm-hmm. actually recently uh, address uh, again the situation of of not being a an, an ex. Were you, what did you write in your piece? I'm an ex ex photographer. So to I'm speak. an ex ex photographer. Yeah. So now you truly <laughs> are an ex photographer. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, um. I don't use your presets. So shortly after purchasing them, I embarked on film photography, which has evolved into black and white film photography which encompasses 98% of what I do, but I will continue buying your presets as eventually I will resume digital photography. This feels like a personal missive to you, Kev. It's um, lovely. I like it. Yeah. You can read well, more of these I'll out. carry on. I'll yeah. carry on. I found, and he did say here, actually, you are way bigger than a, a label or a brand. Oh, Kev. <laughs> oh, I am way bigger. You've become See, the... I tell you now. I tell you now. <laughs> for the last two months, I've been like a walrus reintroduced to the sea. Are you having that same shirt problem that I'm having at weddings? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's yeah. the trousers, and it feels a bit uncomfortable. I might, I may have to go out and get some special trousers just for a couple of weeks. While I, while I concentrate on Svelte Self. Um, anyway, I recently received two honourable mentions in the Mono Awards. I attached them below in a recent image to perplex Neil's bouquet chicken. Bouquet chicken. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you think of that particular image there? Oh, you like? No, he likes it. You're, you're fine. Have you seen these images? Because they, they are. Um, yes. They are for you. Yeah, they're very good. And we will again. We'll we'll put them on the show page. Um, but yeah, I did see that email, and Ooh, they look are at this excellent one. film. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, this one's uh, literally. I mean, this looks like Cartier Bresson, the man himself, could have made it. Mm. Yeah, I thought they were really beautiful. Fantastic, fantastic picture. Anyway, regards to Gemma, Albi, um, Rosa, and you, Kev. And here it says, oh, and Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it wasn't a question. It was a bit of an honourable mention. Oh, for bless. for for the Mullins, well, well, you're, you're welcome to send those those sort of things in, right? Uh, but I think actually that's about all, all we have time for this week. Well, for the next couple of uh, biannual, bi-monthly, bi-weekly, so we do you know one day, Kev, when we've both won lottos, we'll go back to just doing it weekly. It's much easier to get the right phrase. Yes. Yeah. Um, Maybe one day. Questions. Do you, um, what's your Facebook looking like? Do you, do you need Do you need a bit of a top up? Always need a top up. Always need a top up. And if you get the timing right, and you are the most recent post, you're guaranteed to get your question on the show. Um, we do have some through uh, previous weeks that I still have to work through, which I will do. Yeah. Uh, well, we definitely need some more email ones. That's for sure. So if you can send them to click at Fujicast. .co.uk click at fujicast.co.uk otherwise it's going to be a long haul over the summer as long as it's with Lufthansa he summer. says what are you on about well we're nearly Looking there the window now pouring with rain howling with wind oh yeah it's true yeah I took Albie to football on Wednesday we went to Western Supermare Wednesday when it was the storms mm. and then he had a one and only midweek match football match they lost 12-1 bless them oh no and it was 
brutal. Oh. Absolutely brutal. Oh, I bet it was miserable when it came off on that one. Well, they were, all were a bit, but I yeah. think they were just glad to get off. Yeah, I bet. And, <laughs> you know, oh. as I said to the woman stood next to me, uh, I said, what they don't realise is it's much worse for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That's a very good point. Sue, my friend Sue Sayer calls Western Super Mare. She calls it Western Super Mud. She lives there. Yeah. So, so, she, yeah. so she should know. Right, that's it. Have a, have a, a lovely couple of weeks and, uh, and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye, Ken! The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.